welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Gallius Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip Back again, back again, the Hang Time Podcast. Here from the beautiful studio on the campus at Turner. And joined, as always, by my co-host via Skype from New York City, Lang Whitaker from Slam Magazine. Lang, how are you? What up, man? Does that studio have a name? Like, you know, Studio 8A? Uh, Turner Studios. I think it's just Turner Studios, brother. Um, You know, but we can give it a cutesy nickname at some point if... I mean, first we got to make sure our rent's paid up. But uh, <laughs> don't look to me for that. <laughs> but uh, Micah Hart, our super producer, has uh, vacated the premises this week. He's he's somewhere in Paris with his pinky up in the air, sipping uh, you know a cafe au lait, eating a you know a croquet monsieur or some crap. I I don't know where Mike is. He's <laughs> luckily we uh, have Kevin McCormick sitting in his chair today. Uh, behind the glass handling business in K-Craft, working all the controls in the room. Lang, I, listen, I, we've been friends a long time, but I got to ask, you playing kissy face with LeBron. I, I see the tweet went out earlier today. You and LeBron, you and the king playing kissy face on, on Slam Online. What's what's going on with this? What are you talking about? What do you mean, what are you talking about? I'm looking at it right here. We came I here to win this. and win now. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What I, I interviewed LeBron. Yeah, what what how did this go down, man? This is great stuff, by the way. Um I did two interviews this summer, GQ and Slam. Yeah, what's I, up with that? How much did I, you pay for this? I think we're about on equal footing in terms <laughs> of <laughs> newsstand presence yeah. and everything else. <laughs> um, yeah, we I mean we asked and he said okay. Yeah. And uh so uh we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about playoffs last year, we talked about the decision this summer, we talked about um uh, at one point I asked him, I said, this might be a overly simple question, but why did you sign with the Miami heat? Yeah. And, and he kind of laughed and he was like, why did I sign with the Miami heat? And he said it was, you know, a combination of a lot of things. He talks about all sorts of stuff. And then we talked, I, you know, the thing I was really interested in though, like all those things I just mentioned were kind of like what led up to where we are right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I told him, I was like, look, look, we talked about that stuff, but most of the interview was really about going forward and, how the heat are going to work together, how this team's going to play, how, you know, what lineups, how does that work? Um, what their expectations are? Uh, lots of kind of interesting stuff. I thought, yeah, you're like, I mean, you're like a regular hoops therapist. I'm impressed. I, <laughs> the thing I like the best though, is the first on, on slam online.com. You got, you, you kicked it off with the best. I thought the best question it, you said, you haven't even played a game yet. And already people don't like you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just put it out there for them. And, I was interested to see interested to see LeBron's response. Um, yeah, well, you know, knows. with him admitting that they haven't done anything yet. Yeah, and he knows like that they're the enemy now. You know, right. when, when we when we first started talking about doing LeBron on the cover of Slam a couple months ago, uh, we came up with this idea of uh, public enemies. You know, like right. the movie, um, which was with Johnny Depp. But I, I never saw the movie. I read the book, um, yeah. which is a fantastic book. I read it. I don't know around. New Year's, mm-hmm. um, which gives the whole story of Jagger Hoover and the war on organized crime, and uh, I just kind of thought that was a great 
analogy. And then we, we were talking about that in the office, like LeBron has, or the Heat has public enemies. And then like two days later, they signed um, Eddie House and he tweeted, uh, LeBron tweeted, Eddie House, welcome to Team John Dillinger. And I was like, oh, no, like he, he's already ahead of it. Like, yeah. he, he understands like that they're the enemies. Um, I, wonder, he, I wonder if he read the book or uh, saw the movie, though, because things I, I didn't end him. very well for John Dillinger. I asked him. Yeah, he, uh, he saw the movie. He hadn't read the book. I told him he should read the book, and he said he just finished the book Havana Nocturne, which is sort of about uh, Myra Lansky and all the guys um, from Cuba mm-hmm. having the, and in my South Florida and the whole mafia thing down there. But he hadn't read the book. No. Yeah. You, I'm, what I'm really curious about, and I mean, reading his words, but you know, as one thing for for the rest of us, you spoke to him. What kind of tone did you hear in his voice? Was it a I mean, was he? I'm, he's never come off to me as a guy who seemed frazzled or anxious at the moment. I mean, he's always been beyond his years in terms of how he handles himself on the court and, and you know, in interviews and stuff. But did you sense? Could you sense any like I can't wait to get after people? Like I cannot wait to to get my hands on the league this year from him at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, and I also got the sense that like he's um, he's ready. Like he's he's done with all this stuff this summer. He's yeah. you know. He made his decision. He's living with the consequences, and now uh, he just wants to play basketball. You know, he—I mean—he was very calm. He didn't, uh, you know. I mean, I've known him since I think I met him when he was 17, mm-hmm. and um, so I've known him for a while. And you know, he doesn't really get—I don't think I've ever spoken to him when he was like angry or fired up. Like right. he—he's pretty measured and calm, and uh, I—he I, kind of kept that throughout our our conversation. We talked for 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. So. This is, um, this is, like I said, this is good stuff. When when can uh, people get their hands on the new issue? I mean, when is this? Should this be out be in the streets? Uh, within a week. It'll be okay. out in New York this week, and probably down by in Atlanta by next week. Right. This is good, good stuff, stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm, this is, I, and I remember you mentioning it that you had spoken to him. Um, yeah. So I didn't know when exactly all this stuff was going to drop, but this is a good. This is a good present after. You know, one of the better weekends. You get the opening college football season, Team USA. You know, uh, this is an awesome handling business over <laughs> over in Turkey. The start of the NFL season. I mean, I didn't get off the couch all week. <laughs> As sports weekends go, I'm not sure you get can get a better bang for your buck than than this past weekend. I agree. It was. Uh, I woke up early Saturday. I don't even know if I've told you, Saker, that I've, I've been running lately. No, you haven't mentioned that. Yeah, because um, I knew you'd probably start clowning. If I mentioned. <laughs> but uh, about like four or five months ago, I started running. Uh-huh. And, um, so I woke up Saturday morning, ran, took a shower, uh, and got on the couch before noon because I knew like I wasn't going to move the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there till about 8 o'clock watching college football all day and switching over to the world championships. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yesterday there was uh, NFL, then the world championships, exactly. and then, then back to the NFL. Um and the Braves were on ESPN last night. That wasn't so good. But, right. Uh, yeah, it was a great – I thought it was a great sports weekend. And th- I thought the World Championships were really, really good to watch this weekend too. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a little something about Eric Gordon this morning. I was just watching him throughout the competition. And he and some other guys, obviously, you know, Steph Curry, Kevin Love, who I like a lot, and I like his game a ton. Um oh. But I was just watching some of those other guys on this team that was was dubbed by a lot of people the what do they call them the B Dean team or whatever. I mean, all these names they were getting yeah. for for not being America's top flight stars, 
and I thought they went over there and represented themselves tremendously in terms of how they played, how they handled themselves as a group. You know what I mean? Totally. And I think people forget there are only, what, 400-plus jobs a year available yeah. in the NBA. So it's not like they sent over chopped liver when we don't send <laughs> over LeBron and D-Wade and those guys. I mean, Kevin Durant showed everybody what lots of people have known for a long time, that you know that he's a spectacular and special player. I, I just thought this was an excellent way for them to finish up what, what's been a nonstop summer of, you know, news and action in the NBA and in basketball with, uh, uh, you know, an all-time great performance as a group. Like, just as a team, they go down to me as one of the better groups of players uh, totally. to, to work I, out. I thought, um, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and I, I, I said at the time I thought Lamar Odom was going to be a pretty good international center. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced we don't have the – a lot of people said we didn't have size and that was going to hurt us, but – you know, Lamar was perfect because he's so mobile that he can guard the, the screens out on the perimeter. He can step back and shoot jump shots from out there. And, like, right. that international three for him, I think Fran Fraschilla said it yesterday, the international three for Lamar is almost like a mid-range jumper in the NBA, you know, and he can hit that shot. Um, I thought he was great. I thought Iguodala played great. Yeah. Um, sort of as, like, the stopper and the, the hustle guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, KD carried the team scoring. Um, and I, you know, and even Derek Rose, uh, Westbrook, those guys had their runs where they would, uh, go, you know, four or six points in a row and get the team out running and, and moving. And I, you know, I, I thought one thing that was pretty obvious was that they all kind of embraced the roles they were asked to play, yeah. you know, uh, and that's been a problem in pre other years when, when the team hadn't played that well, but, um, uh, you know, Iguodala averages 16 a game in the NBA, but he was willing to just go out there and rebound and, and defend. And uh, uh, I, I thought, you know, having – it was kind of obvious they were, they were egoless out there, I thought. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know what? The interesting dilemma is going to be in the near future when you have to figure out who makes that team in a couple of years that you send to the Olympics. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who, which of these group of guys and which of that group that, you know, that won gold before – who makes a cut? Who doesn't? I mean, you talk about a, some good basketball. Just think of that training camp, or you yeah. know, or that that uh, tryout, or whatever you want to call it, for who makes the cut on that next team. Um, because I don't know how you hold off some of these young, like Westbrook and you know Steph Curry, guys who who are going to be fantastic players in the NBA and in international competition for the next decade, you or know, even I, guys. I mean, think about guys like uh, uh, John Wall, or you right. know. Um, right. Some of the younger guys that are, that are just now coming into the league and that we haven't really seen that much of, or, you know, maybe they're ready by that point. So, um, you know, maybe Chris Paul comes back, Darren Williams, all these guys who didn't play on this team, you know, even just with the guards, with Derrick Rose and Westbrook, they, they showed they can play there, but um, are they going to make the team or are these other guys going to come back and beat them out? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, the, I mean, the pipeline is full. I, I think I heard him say yesterday there's – Six players on the team that were 20, 21 or younger. Yeah. And, I mean, that's preposterous when you think about <laughs> it, how young how yeah. young the league is. Um, and that, and that kind of brings me around to our first guest on, on the show this week um, because I'm thinking back now, you know, five or six years in the NBA is an eternity. Yeah. Uh, I was there on draft night when, when this guy got drafted, and, uh, and now he's like a grizzly old vet 
at all of 24 and a half years old or whatever he is. But uh, Marvin Williams, Atlanta Hawks forward, is joining us now. Um, and Marv, we got to ask: Do you have your AARP card yet in the NBA? Because I mean, I guess after five years, you you, you old, you're an old man, huh? Yeah, so I'm starting to get some years under my belt now, Seiko. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at 24, like you said, at 24. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and Lane Whitaker is on the line, uh, is on the uh, podcast here with us too, Marvin. Um, did you watch uh, the World Championships? Like, I know guys watch the Olympics when, when teams are competing because I know there's a difference in terms of the <clears throat> scrutiny for the World Championships in this country as there is maybe – you know, in Europe or South America or somewhere else where it's deemed a much more important competition. How much of the world championships did you watch? I've seen maybe two, I've seen maybe two or three games. Mm-hmm. You know, I've only seen bits and pieces of those games on top of that. I, I never really, you know, went home and, like, watched the whole game full. Mm-hmm. You know, right. but from what, I, from what I've seen, man, those guys competed at a high level, man. They played great, and uh, they definitely represented our country. You know, Marvin might not be that old, but Marv's always sounded old. <laughs> you know, it's an old man voice. Old soul. <laughs> what have you, you been up to this summer, Marv? Man, I've still been doing the same thing, man. Still trying to get my degree. I went back yeah. to Chapel Hill. I'm still training there, still in school. And uh, I'm back in Atlanta right now, ready to get going, man. we got a couple weeks. So, uh, getting ready. Marv, we've been talking about LeBron James and, and the guys in Miami a ton on the podcast this summer. Um, and I'm And I'm curious – they're not only a factor for the rest of the league now, but specifically in your division. Right. Um, when all of this goes down, what's your first thought when you hear, okay, these guys are going to go play together. Oh, and that's right, down the street from us, you know, the <laughs> Hawks, in our division. Right. You know what, Sekou, honestly, when I heard about it, you know, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know, my, my, my youngest brother – you know, he was the one that told me about it, and I was like, "You're not, you're not." I didn't believe him. Right. Like, I flat out didn't believe him until I actually seen it on TV. And uh, you know, to like you said, man, to have these guys in the Eastern Conference, but you know, even worse in our division, man, it's gonna definitely make our division much tougher. You know, you got those guys, you got us. You know, obviously Orlando's been tough, it's been throwing our side the last couple of years, and Charlotte was made the playoffs last year, man. Washington will be back up, so our division, man, is is, is going to be one of the top divisions I think in the league. How do you think, uh, Marv? How do you think you guys? match up or defend against against Miami? Oh, man, it's, <laughs> it'll be tough. It, I mean, it'll be tough. Obviously, you got, you know, the matchup at the two spot with, with Joe and Dwayne Wade will obviously be a great one. You know, it's yeah. a three spot. LeBron is LeBron, so I'll do, you know, the best I can to try to contain him and try to make him play play on the defensive end. And obviously, with Chris Boss and Josh or Al Horford and Josh, either way, you got an all-star matched up against an all-star. So, yeah. I think definitely, you know, player for player, man, I think we have a pretty good chance of, of kind of kind of sizing up with these guys. Marv, do you feel like there's this, you know, in years past, if somebody had a, had put together this kind of team, there would have been this attitude like, you know, you got to revere this, this group and, and watch out and oh, here they come. Everybody I've talked to, every player I've bumped into has had this kind of, I can't wait to get a piece of them attitude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, which which is interesting to me because – you would think they would be held in a different esteem around the league, but everybody is acting like they cannot wait to get on the court and, and take a bite out of this Miami team. Well, I'm sure Miami's gonna gonna make people feel like you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think they're gonna try to do that. But uh, no, I mean, as a competitor, man, we're all NBA players here. We're all confident in ourselves and in our team. So I mean, you're just not gonna give give a title to anyone. You know, it's kind of like when Boston put together that team with KG and Ray Allen. 
Right. You know, I think everybody had that same mentality. So, mm. I mean, at the end of the day, man, those guys are their team. We're a team, and the game's decided between the lines, man. That's that's what it's gonna have to be. Hmm. Have you, uh, Marvin? Have you had a chance to talk to Larry Drew this summer? Enough talking <laughs> about Miami. Let's talk about your team. Exactly. Your team too, Lane. Don't, don't forget that part. That's true. That's true. It's my team. Too. Our Atlanta Hawks. Have you had a chance to talk to Larry Drew this summer? What do you think's uh, in store for you guys this year with a new coach? Yeah, I've spoken to him, you know, briefly here and there. We haven't gone, you know, really in-depth right. the season. You know, we just wanted to make sure my summer was going well, make sure my family was going well. But, you know, I definitely know Coach Drew, and, and guys know him, man. He's been my coach for six years, and, you know, he's got he's got a few things up his sleeve. I'm definitely confident in that, man. So, uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll be exciting for all of us, I think. Marv, your role on this team has evolved, really, from the time you came in as a rookie. Um, you know, you only spent – Basically, part of that first year is an understudy, and then you've been tossed into it ever since. How much have you grown just as a player, like your game itself? How how much has it transformed from the time you showed up to what you can do now on the floor? Oh, man, obviously you guys have seen me, you know, since day one. So coming into the league at, at 19, 18, 19, man, I was like a deer in the headlights, man. It was, it was all new to me, you know, trying to feel my way around. But each year, man, I felt like I've gotten a little bit better. You know, my body's obviously matured. I've matured. Um, I've been blessed, man. I've been fortunate to, to, to experience some situations. You know, you talk about guys that are 24 years old. You know, a lot of guys coming out of college would be sitting down playing behind some vets. But like you guys said, man, listen, I'm going into my sixth year, and I feel like I've experienced some things. I've helped the team get to the playoffs the last few years. So, uh, and my, my maturity level has definitely grown a, a tremendous amount, man. And I feel like I'm, I'm definitely an all-around better player. Are you sure? You know, was it last year you came in and all of a sudden you were like uh, Craig Hodges, you know, draining threes from around, from around the three point line? Uh, like, what do you? What else are you trying to add to your game this season? Man, I, I felt like you know when I had a big year average, maybe fourteen or fifteen. You know, the year average around fifteen. I really got to the foul line a lot. I shot a ton yeah. of free throws, man, a ton of free throws. And uh, you know, I think last year I kind of got away from that. Spent a lot, a lot of time out there, you know, behind the three point line. You know, just trying to find that balance because you know I had a big year when I made I made a few threes. My three point percentage got better, but uh, I got to get back to attacking that basket, man. Once I attack that basket, I feel like it'll open up things, maybe for my mid range jump shot and and for my three point jump shot. Sure, Marvin. What's the uh, what's the one thing that has to happen for y'all to keep going on this trajectory? You know, y'all y'all started out rough, obviously your first year, but playoffs the last three years and steadily improving in the you know in the in the win column all these years. How do you go from you know, from 47 to 53 to, to 58. I mean, how do you keep that climb going? Well, we've got we've to make that jump, man. Guys really have to come in. We have to be committed. You know, this is, you know, my first time being in the league. Josh Smith's first time being in the league. Our first time playing for a new coach. You know, yeah. so it'll be, it'll be something different, you know, for all of us. But I think the biggest thing, we all have to buy into what Coach Drew really wants us to do, and we have to do it early. You know, we've got to do it early. I think everybody has to put their trust in him, which they will. You know, I think players are really confident, really excited about Coach Drew. And, you know, once we buy into the system, figure out the system, I think, man, we'll be, we'll be just fine. I really do. I think we'll be okay. You know, nothing against Coach Woodson, but do you think it helps to have a, a new voice to listen to? Well, I mean, Woody was great. Like, like I said, he was great. You know, guys, he, he taught us a lot of stuff, man. Woody took a bunch of 18-year-olds and, and made us a playoff team. So, I mean, right. taking away from him by any means. You know, but at the same time, you know, Drew, it, it's good to have a new coach that was – that was there with us at the same time. You know, yeah. it's not some new guy that just walks into the gym who nobody knows, and nobody knows what kind of guy he is, what kind of coach he is. You know, this is this is this is Larry Drew. So we he's been with us in the trenches. So it'll be it'll definitely be good for us. That was a good change. It'll be good for us. 
Do you guys feel like you know once once Woodson was uh, his contract wasn't renewed? Like, did you guys kind of feel like Larry Drew deserved this chance? Well, once you know, once they they said that you know coach wasn't coming back, right. you know, I think guys were like, well, who's it going to be? You know, nobody really knew who it was going to be, so they were kind of bummed about that. Yeah. But you know, once that we start hearing the whispers about Larry Drew you know, becoming the coach, I think guys really supported that decision. Like I said, man, he, Larry Drew has been there with us. Right. You know, he, was there, he was there with us from day one, man. So if you have to get a new coach, you know, why not have somebody that was with, from, from, from within, you know, from right. within. So, I mean, I think guys are excited about, you know, Larry Drew being there because he was with us. Marv, how much – I know, and I talked to uh, Larry Drew actually last week um, when I was over at Phillips Arena. I, I saw him in the hallway and just stopped and chatted with him. How much – of a difference is there going to be in terms of the way you guys play, particularly on offense? I know he said he's going to kill all that switching on defense that y'all have done the past few years, but <laughs> <laughs> how, how different is that going to be offensively when you go from a, a really an ISO offense where Joe is really ISOed and, and doing a lot of the work offensively and everybody else kind of playing off him to something more movement-based now? Like how excited are y'all about that and how different do you think that will be for people to see? Well, it'll be it'll be a lot different, you know. Because in the past, like you said, our, our offense pretty much has been, you know, strictly isolation, you know, for the most part, especially down the stretch. Right. And you know, obviously, when 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 guys have it going, man, we're tough to we're extremely, extremely tough to stop. But you know, we struggle when guys don't have it going. And I think uh, with with Larry Drew, man, with this new offense, man, he's he's really going to provide a lot of motion for us in the offensive end. So you know, teams are really going to have to sit down and guard. You know, in the past years, man, pretty much got to key key in on Joe. You know, make everything as tough as you can for him, and sometimes that hurt us. Other times, man, he was great. Won, won the game for us. So, with this new motion offense, I think I think everyone's going to have to guard. You know, on the defensive end, mm-hmm. everybody's got to everybody's got to guard their man and the ball. So it'll be good for everyone, I think. What What's been the toughest for you, Marv? You know, since you came into the to the league, as far as uh, just finding consistency. What How do you find that consistency? Is it just through playing time? Um, you know, just being in the league helps you out. Like, how, how do you? become who you want to become uh you know obviously you know in the past years i have struggled with consistency you know some nights i might have 20 other nights i might have four you know so right. it's just it's been like an up and down ride for me but as i become better as a player man that's something that's going to have to be there every night it's got to be there for my team yeah you know, i can't have i can't have nights where you know you have huge nights and then nights where you're just virtually not even out there you know so obviously i've been working with that and i think as i get older man that'll definitely come i think this year I'm definitely more going to be more consistent, and uh, hopefully it'll help out, man. It'll show. When are you going to sign up on Twitter, Marv? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I will ne- if there's any Twitter account out there, it's not me. If there's any Facebook out there, it's not me. My brother made me a MySpace. I never got on it. I would never. never why, be you so, why, why are you so, fighting it, Marv? Yeah, why are you I, anti-social? You know what? I think, I think it's great. But I think that's what it is. Like, I am kind of anti-social, man. I'm not really, <laughs> you know, if, if you know me, I talk a lot. But if you don't really know me, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of keep to myself. So I don't, I'll never be on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. <laughs> Marv, I don't under, and the, the one other thing that, that kind of cracks me up too, and uh, we were talking to Josh Childress about this a couple of years back, like, or I mean, a couple of weeks back here on the podcast, just laughing about your rookie year. You ha- you might have been the cheapest person. I don't oh, care man. if you play in the NBA or anywhere else. I'm saying you may have been the cheapest person <laughs> I've ever met in oh, my entire man. life. Like, have you loosened up a little bit over the years, Mark? I will honestly say I have loosened up a little bit, but I'm still I'm still pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, true story, man. My brothers are upset with me right now because 
they wanted a couple hundred bucks, I'm not going to send it to them. I'm just, I mean, they're still, they're still upset with me. I just, I just try to say everything I can get, man. I try to say, I, I enjoy myself. I have fun. You know, we work hard, so I think guys should, should enjoy themselves. But no, I'm trying to, try to save as much as I can. Can't play basketball forever, man. You can't play forever. So now you buy two. Two cheeseburgers instead of one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, Marv, I know it's not all basketball for you this summer. Um, I know you got the the bowling event you do that's coming up. Uh, I believe next week, huh? Yeah, on the twenty third, September twenty third. Yeah, yeah. And what? Now that's that the strike the hour bowling fundraiser that you host. What is that all about, man? What What is the the cause that that's for? You know, we're trying to encourage. Uh, we're trying to encourage you know residents of Georgia to stop using you know the R word obviously the word retard so mm-hmm. you know we're trying to we're trying to completely get people to stop using it so uh this bowling event man is going to be it's going to be great man uh, anybody can come you know i think it's like 40 bucks you get the bowl as much as you want you can eat you get drinks get a t-shirt mm-hmm. um it's at 300 atlanta on, on at 6 30 from like 6 30 to 9 30 i think on thursday so it'll be a great time man. i'm a, I'm a terrible bowler but <laughs> you know I, I'm, I'm gonna be ready i gotta i gotta practice a little bit all right september 23rd i, I might have to get out there and show you all my stuff mark no, that works. Marv, Marv uh, what classes were you taking this summer? And I took a uh, I took a philosophy class. I'm actually still in it right now. Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a yeah bioethics class. It's pretty interesting, man. Wow. Yeah. Bioethics. What does that yeah. mean? Like, what do, Lang what do you... has no ethics, by the way. So at all, at all. <laughs> bio or otherwise. Yeah, it's a uh, man. It's pretty, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. You know, you got to. I can definitely show you my book, man. Give you a couple scenarios that'll make you think a little bit. Sure. All right. uh, I don't need that. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you, hey, Marv, listen. Yes, sir. We're gonna be watching you like always, and uh, you know because it's funny we get to meet guys when they come into the league. You, Chills, you know Josh Smith. Some of y'all here in Atlanta. It's Lang's favorite team, obviously a team I used to cover. Um, so I mean, I'm hoping to be. We're hoping to be around for your entire career, man. It's gonna be fun to watch y'all this year in that division with a new coach, and see what the Hawks have in store, man. And we appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, we appreciate you guys, man. You guys have been great, man, with us from, from, from the dog days, man. They're a little bit better now, but <laughs> you guys are there for those 13-win seasons and the 26-win seasons. So uh, we definitely appreciate you guys' support, man. You guys are great. Can I hold a 20? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you might be able to say cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Appreciate it, Marv. Thanks, Marv. All right, All right man. All right. Listen, Lang. Uh, and I'm not trying to be funny. He is literally the the cheapest dude I'd ever seen. I mean, we laugh with chills about it when he was on here. But I I love Marv's attitude, man, because he's always been even, you know, real even kill guy, and he totally understood the the privilege and how lucky he was to be playing in the NBA, man. And that's that's we've had a lot of guys on this summer that have kind of echoed that same sentiment. But I I never get tired of it. No, I I totally agree. You and. Know. Uh, yeah, I think it's funny. Like we keep getting the guys on here that that are not only the great players, but we get good people. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Mars, another guy who, who falls right in that category. Yeah, we got to get somebody on here to go off on us, like, or that we can go <laughs> off on, like. Seriously, we got to get somebody on here to argue with us. Um, Call my wife. Listen, you need to quit talking about her on here because I know you're probably still in hot water from that last time when you talked about the, giving up the planes. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, and listen, we are gonna move on, because um, you know our you know our next guest as well as anyone, man. And this you talk about a dude that you can argue with. Yeah, um, we want to argue. Yeah. <laughs> don't bring up Michael Vick. Yeah. Don't talk about the Eagles. But 
Jay Salam, Khalid Salam is our, is joining us now, contributing editor from Slam Magazine, uh, one of the best in the biz, and in a, a Philly cat to his core. Uh, we we want to talk to you about the Eagles, but but Lang said you might have some choice words for us if we brought that up. So I'm gonna leave that alone, man. How you doing, though? I'm doing good, man. Good, good. doing good. Have you uh, have you watched? We were just talking to Marvin Williams about this, man. Have you did you watch intently um, the goings on in Turkey and that that U.S. national team just to see what kind of vibe they got? I know Iguodala was out there, so it was a guy, you know, a Philly guy for I, you to really uh, lock I, in on. I watched I watched it sparingly, but honestly. Can't really say that if it's not Olympics. Yeah, I'm not that excited about it. You know, it's inter- I think a lot of people in the United States have that attitude toward it, uh, and in Europe, it's complete. You know, it's it's maybe as important or more important than the Olympics to a lot of people. It's I, funny I think that it, it's... it comes on. It comes on at a bad time, it's like right before, <laughs> it's like NFL training camp. It's just it's hard to think about basketball in late August, early September. You know, it's just a yeah. Bad time. I watched Sports Center last night, and like they had. When the show started, they had highlights of the Cowboys game, three or four other NFL game highlights, maybe a baseball game, and then they had USA winning the gold medal. So, I mean, you know, if ESPN's not covering it that big, you know, to them it's not that big. And I think to a lot of people, they just, they're like kind of like whatever. Uh, and I know you were probably too fired up about that Eagles game yesterday. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it was a perfect storm, really. Like all the kind of all the things that could have happened wrong, <laughs> happened wrong. It was, it was pretty amazing, actually. I mean, Donovan, I Donovan McNabb looked pretty good. I was say McNabb looked pretty good. I bet. Get, I don't know. Well, you know, you know, I mean, you, you don't have to tell me. I mean, I, I was I was a pro McNabb guy. Like that's my dude, and you know, the city did him dirty. You know, the city did him dirty. Not not just the Eagles organization. Really, but you know, the city does everybody dirty. You know, it doesn't matter. Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers. It doesn't matter, really. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk about the Sixers now because it's been another strange summer in terms of, you know, some us, It's always strange. Yeah. It seems normal. Like, it seems <laughs> normal to me. Some more turnover. You know? You know, um, one bright spot, and I, I never did get a chance to ask you about this, but. Drew Holiday showed people some stuff last year after starting slow in his rookie season. Did you see enough out of him to make you feel good about that position? You know, with, I know you got a couple of young guys, and with he and Lewis Williams both, you know, in that in that backcourt in that mix at point guard. But do you feel good about at least the the some of the building blocks y'all got in place? Yeah, I mean Holiday. I mean, I, I would say this season was better than I than I anticipated. I kind of thought he'd struggle. Um, particularly in scoring in, but he was he was solid and and even towards the end of the season had some really good games, good moments. I think the problem is we, we need a veteran backup for point guard. Like mm-hmm. just I don't understand the thought process. I don't understand the psychology that goes on in the front office. So that's like a <laughs> glaring need to me. And I'm like, well, if I can see that, how come they can't see it? You know? Right. right. Uh, what do you think about uh, Evan Turner? Yeah. Well. Some of the leagues didn't show a lot, but, I mean, it remains to be seen, you know. Now, I'm on record for wanting favors during the draft because I feel like we had a, a, a gigantic hole at rebounding and defensive interior right. strength, and we still have that same hole. So, you know, I'm, I wasn't against Turner, 
But on this particular roster, it, it's a little perplexing. You know, I don't understand. I mean, who was going to rebound the ball? Who? Uh, like, who was yeah. going to rebound the ball? Like, there's no, uh, there's nobody, there's nobody on the, on the team who has a hunger or a real aptitude for rebounding. Right. I mean, they used to have like Reggie Evans was that kind of guy, or um, I mean, Dallin Bear was sort of the default rebounder. I mean, I mean. Dallin Bear had his issues, and granted, he, he was a fall guy for a lot of stuff that happened, and he deserved lots of it because for a smart guy, man, he did some dumb things. <laughs> we, I mean, we, know, we talked about it, Lane. Like, he's a smart guy. Yeah. But his basketball IQ is minimal at times. But um, he can rebound. You know, we don't have anybody who's going who's gonna to average double-digit rebounds. I don't think anybody can even average seven rebounds in that team. Wow. So, I mean, you, it's safe to say that you're down on your sixes then. It's just a strange. It's just a motley crew. It's just a motley crew, man. Like I don't. And then and then and then you bring in Doug Collins to steer to steer this team. Ah, it's just ah, I'm so tired of it, man. I'm tired. I am. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay in journalist mode, but the, like the fan passion is coming out. So like trying to control it, but if you look at the roster, if you if you look at the Sixers roster, I mean they've got a lot of. Good players, you know. I mean, Elton Brand, yeah, Drew Holiday, well, Iguodala. Um, I mean, they traded for Spencer Hawes this summer. They got Nocioni. Thaddeus Young um, was good last year. Lewis Spates, Spates showed me some stuff when he, you know, when he's been healthy. I mean, there's a lot of pieces just, there. Yeah, but all the pieces are, are basically redundant. We have a bunch of swingmen, and we have like 30 swingmen. Doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I mean, who's taking? I mean, who? I understand. Like, I don't get it. You know, we don't. I mean. Okay, so let's, let's say Turner plays the two, which I guess he's going to do. Iguodala's never been a real three. He's kind of a tweener. You know, he works He works on the team that goes up or down the court fast, which I guess we have to do. We didn't do that enough last year, so. But then what happens to Thad, who, who, whose first two seasons, official fans love Thaddeus Young. Yeah. Last, last year he had a drop-off. We're not really sure why. But offensively, Thad is much better than Iguodala. All right. You know, he's, he's not a defender that Iguodala is, but – even with that being said, I feel like sometimes Iguodala is, is overrated as a defender at times. He was pretty good in the, in the World Championships, you know? just putting that out there. No, you know, he didn't watch that. So, All right. That count. I mean, but that's, that's, that's different. Who, I mean, come on. He's playing against third. I mean, come on. I mean, Ivy Coast, I mean, never mind. That's not even. You're going to just bash the whole country then, right? <laughs> or, or continent. Or never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, listen. What what else are you looking forward to then going into this season? I mean, like obviously the the basketball voyeur in me is just you know itching to see how things play out in Miami. Um, you know, I want to see how Cleveland you know rebounds from the summer they had. I want to see if Toronto can survive. You know, not having Bosch. I mean, what is it about this season that has you amped to just watch and see how it turns out? Lakers Heat. Hmm. For the two times they played, that is must-see TV. Right. And then, and then we'll just wait to June because that's who it's going to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm with it. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like, oh, they, they, they might need a year to play together. And, you know, they don't know if the coaching, you know, if Swester's going to be able to put it together. And blah, blah, blah. Will Riley need to come down from, from, the, front, you know, from the front office and, and coach, all this other stuff. And, and granted, the roster is uneven, obviously. It's top-heavy. But there's just too much talent concentrated on the, on that, on the, on the starting on the five, whatever the starting five is going to be. 
I mean, I don't understand how you're going to be able to defend Wade and James, regardless of Bosch. I mean, I, I've never, I mean, I'm the biggest Wade, you know, Wade fan around. Mm-hmm. And there are times, there are, in the 82 game season, there, there are, I would say, probably 30 games that Wade has that are just off the charts. And then he have another 30 where he's good, and then, you know, they have a few, maybe, you know, three or four bad games. But, but basically, he's always excellent or incredible. Right. Right. And then LeBron, equally, he might have 35 or 40 just off the chart games. We're like, wow. And then another 25 where he's just really good. Right. So if those guys have 30 games simultaneously where they're off the charts, <laughs> they're going to run dudes off the court. Well, you know, my the one thing I would not worry about, but I think that might be an issue with them is, is depth. And, um, and you know, staying healthy. I mean, Wade has had a lot of injuries in the past. Last year he was able to, to make it through the whole year. But, um, you know, I think as long as those guys are, are healthy, I agree with Khalid. I think they're going to they're gonna be a problem for a lot of teams. I mean, but doesn't it, doesn't it matter more, you know, because everybody expects him to win a lot of games in the regular season. You know, a, a 58 to 65 win season is a, basically a, a guarantee, right? You figure they're not going to yeah. win anything less than 58. I would say, yeah. Yeah. 60 plus, yeah. So, that, I'm, I'm cool with that. But the playoffs is a totally different animal. I mean, you watched an Orlando team last year steamroll people the first couple of rounds and then bump into just the wrong matchup at the wrong time. And they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get over the hump. Can you see Miami running into a bad matchup at a time when, some, you know, somebody's not 100% or anything? Can you see – that happening in the playoffs and maybe this thing getting derailed? I mean, it, of course, it's dirt. There's no guarantees in sports. That's why we love sports so much. This isn't Hollywood scripted, you know, pictures where the ending is already figured out. We don't know. But I'm saying, if, I, I'm, if you're putting money down, I'm not how I'm putting money down, line. Don't get me in trouble, Khalid. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> no I money's exchanging hands around here. And, and, and everybody's so excited about what they're going to average all these points. Defensively, they're going to be nasty, particularly in the perimeter. Like, it's going to be hard at times, to just keep the ball from getting stolen. Like, Wade and LeBron James on the wing is really sick. Yeah. You know, now, now we'll see how the depth goes. But, I mean, I, I just – I feel like it's going to get figured out. I just – I always – if, if there's any problems with depth at, at some point, I, you know, I guess the front office maybe will have to address it. But that's a, I, that's a I scary think, team. I, I tend to think depth isn't as important in the postseason – too, you know, because especially for a team where, where all the guys, all the three main guys, are under thirty years old, yeah. right? It, I mean, it's you know, in the season, you play four games in five nights, and you know, back to backs and all that stuff. But on the in the postseason, you get uh, you know one game, then you have two days off, one game a day off, whatever. You never play back to backs, and I think that's that will work to their advantage. Let me ask you this, Khalid: Who do you think has the most pressure on them in Miami this year? And I mean, I. We're going to end up talking Miami all year, Lang, so I know, I know you're probably tired of me asking about the Heat, but, <laughs> it, I mean, this is the, this is what we're going to be doing for the next, you know. It's, 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 you know, it's Coach Spo. Really, That's what yeah. they call him, right? Yeah. Coach yeah. That guy has a mountain of pressure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if they're not excellent, they're going to be like, they're going to point at him if they're not excellent. Not not just not good, not excellent. Yeah. Like, they have to be excellent. Or people are going to be like, you know, what's going on? And then, and you know Riley – he already set a precedent before coming down from the front office and coaching. He's done it before. 
Right. So it's not like it's, it's beyond him. Like he would do it so like, oh, I wouldn't want to step on his toes. He would do it. Yeah. You know, you know, he stepped in, he stepped on on Stan Van Gundy's toes, and he was like, "Peace, you're out of here." Like I'm, it's over. <laughs> so if you think he can't do it, the coach Bo, who's less accomplished than Ben Gundy was, let's believe he he's under pressure. Believe that he's thinking about it right now. <laughs> Like right now, at 2.50, <laughs> Monday, wherever he is right now, he's thinking about it right now. Yeah. Monday Monday afternoon. Did, did either one of y'all have a problem with Pat Riley coming out late, late last week and kind of firing back at us, you know, us being the media? Um, no, and, I mean, with some particular shots at uh, the folks here, for, you know, and Charles Barkley specifically. I mean, he came out with some, some pretty pointed criticisms of – a lot of people's criticisms of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh and just how the thing went down. Um, I, you know, I look I, at it like this. I mean, I don't have any problem with what Riley said. And, and, and to be honest, all that all the criticism over the summer, that's just hating. <laughs> that's just straight hating. Yeah, that's really? all it is. <laughs> like other gyms and other, other coaches and other players are like, why didn't I think of that? I mean, you, you know, you guys know, Barkley's my guy. I've, I've talked to Barkley many times. He owes me a steak dinner, by the way, but I, I don't think he remembers that. That's, we'll that's let him, hey, that. we're going to let him know. We're definitely going to remind him. I'm telling you, he does. I think Ray remembers that. I do, I remember. Ray, it. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't eat steak, but that's, again, another story. But, um, that's why you haven't collected yet. So, yeah. so I mean, you know, I, go ahead. I mean, Barkley's I mean, out of line, man. He's out of line. Everybody's saying, like, oh, you know, he, he called him a punk. You, I mean, and I'm thinking, my thing's like, the only difference to what Barkley did is that he waited until he got older in his career. Right. Because if, if Barkley could have left and joined the Celtics in 1989 or the Lakers in 1988 or whatever, I mean, come on. Come on. And the whole thing is just, it's just and all, you know, all the fans and the other teams. and But it's mostly been the media, yes. You turn on any, any network, guys just went in. On the situation, they just thought it was a bad situation for whatever reason. I well, thought I mean, it was just jealousy, man. Let me clarify. I was not critical of the, those guys for doing what they did. I was critical of the decision, like the show. Right. And, well, and the way it went down. But, like, I had no problem with how they did it. And I'm wondering, do you think, has some of that criticism melted over? Like, you know, has it bled into this idea? And, you know, now it's revisionist history where, where everybody hated it. You know, everybody was hating because we did this. I didn't think people were as critical of those three players as as they were of the the process and the way it went down. People didn't well, yeah, like I mean, the, the show. The decision the, you, was a bad was a bad move. It was a bad look. I mean, everybody everybody yeah. can can see that now. And even at, at the time, it was like, wow, this is kind of ridiculous. But um, I, I mean, I think the criticism from that, yeah, it, it, it bubbled over. I think people just thought it was outrageous, and it was you know, I, me me included. I just thought it was outrageous. I kind right. of figured. This was something that just needed to be done at a more in a quiet, more quiet manner, or I don't know. I guess face to face with you know with the the, own, the Cavs um, ownership and just let them let them, you know let them know I'm leaving X Y Z. This is the reasons. No hard feelings. You know you don't, you know it was ugly, but you know it's, and, and if that lasts through the whole regular season, that that animosity that was created from that moment, then it just lasts. I, I think I think the Heat players probably figured it might last, and they, they're probably okay with it. I know Heat fans are okay with it. Yeah. So. You know, I, I I don't think that, as Sekou said, like the the people criticize the the television show, the decision, and and I get that. And uh, but people criticizing LeBron for not wanting to be the alpha male on a team or whatever. I mean, that's 
it's it's not like everyone's going in on that. The thing is, though, the people who have gone in on that are, are Michael Jordan, Former Charles player, Barkley, yeah, yeah. you know, Magic Johnson, like big people, big names that carry a lot of weight uh, for NBA fans and NBA players. And so I think just the fact that it came from such a high level lends a little more weight to, to what they said. Sure, but I mean, at some point, and and you know, I'm I'm a I'm a big I'm a historian, but at some point, we have to we have to let the '80s go. <laughs> you know, we, you know, we 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 I mean, we just deify these guys from the '80s, like oh, it was so great, and da And I'm like, you know what? It's 2010. Like, okay, Michael Jordan said that, and Barkley said that, and, and Magic, and uh, whoever else said it. And yes, they were all they were successful in in. 10, 20, 30 years ago. But, I mean, like, you know what? Whatever LeBron James is doing right now is what I'm most focused on. Right. I mean, what is Magic going to say? Magic didn't need to leave the Lakers. Are you kidding me? He came to basically a dream team. Yeah. And that team got better. When he came there, Worthy wasn't in there yet. They got better. So, what was his complaint? I hear, you know, one other thing about Pat Riley, like, I – if you're Pat Riley, you know, this, this is what you've done all summer. You, this is your investment. Right. This is your future for your franchise. Of course, you're going to defend your guys, you know? Um, and, and maybe that's his role is, is, you know, he's going to, he'll come out, say these things, get everyone talking about him, let Spolster do his thing uh, sort of under the radar in a way. And, and, you know, he'll, Riley doesn't care if, what people think about him. <laughs> people have been no, mad I, at him. I, yeah, I don't think he, Pat Riley's a pimp. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> we we just called Pat Riley a pimp. On, okay, I knew I knew having you on here was going to be explosive, Kelly. I knew it. I don't, I don't think he cares. He, he, he was a mastermind behind one of the shrewdest, most intellectually incredible summers any any league has ever seen. Uh, I mean, he's way of putting it. He's put together it. a lot of good teams, you know, through the years. Yes, he has. Yeah. I need to hire him in Philly. <laughs> Would you we don't got that kind of money. <laughs> Would you take him in Philly? <laughs> what? What? I'll take him for the mayor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you vote for him? <laughs> come on. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Come on. Uh, I mean, come on. What can you say? How can anybody go against what Pat Riley did this summer? It's just, it's just, it's just people just jealous. It's just hating, man. Yeah. And listen, and I, I needed a dose of, of your reality on here today. I'm glad you. Glad you joined us, man. It, it's been too long since we since I've seen or talked to you, um, and I know you've probably been, you know, chatting Lang, chatting with Lang, and hanging out with Lang. But man, I my next visit up there, I owe you dinner. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay up Charles's tab. I'm gonna get you that steak dinner you don't eat. You get a get a tofu steak or something. You know what I mean? Hey, man, anytime, man, anytime. Appreciate it, Khalid Salam, contributing editor from Slam Magazine, joining us here on the podcast. Don't be a stranger. We'll track you down again. Thanks, Kyle. All right, take it, take it easy, guys. All right, man. All right. He just called Pat Riley a name that I'm not going to repeat because I don't want us to get snatched off the. Uh, yeah, we might, have to, <laughs> we might have to. We got to bleep that out. We got to get a seven second uh, delay on that. That's that's probably going to get us both in trouble. Get all of us in some trouble. We but got time. To, we got time to edit it. We better. We better. Right. But you all know right. what's funny is the way he described it. The the most intellectual. I mean, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that and steal that line because. At the end of the day, history will probably show that it, it's more. This summer was more about what what a heck of a move and what a shrewd business decision it was for the Miami Heat to pull this off, as opposed to some Jersey, you know, burning or whatever kind of fan reaction 
the television show produced. You know what I mean? You know, also, the fact that the Heat were the ones able to do this and, you know, create this space and, and get under the cap and all that stuff. You know, the other teams that were trying to do this were like some, some of these teams, the Knicks, the Nets, the Clippers, teams that haven't won in a really long time. The, the Heat won a title right. <laughs> like four, five years, four years ago. Right. Um, so this isn't like a team that's that's struggled for, for a very long time and, and was kind of like, you know, trying to finally get over the hump. They, these guys did this four years ago and now very strategically uh, went this way and, and made it work, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, it's been one of the things that's contributed to what what I think is a, has been a nonstop summer of you know action and, and news and, and intrigue in the nba man and lane this is our last summer podcast basically the next time we hit these these airwaves it's gonna be you know we're gonna be knee deep into training camps and and uh and getting busy so it's gonna be very very fun to uh to dive into this 2010-2011 season man all-star game in la um potentially a blockbuster finals again you know, if, if things play out the way a lot of people expect, uh, I'm looking for, I'm just looking forward to a big season, man. I'm, and I'm sure you are as well. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. And, uh, hopefully next time we do this, we'll have a, uh, producer. <laughs> well, we got one in here. It's just, it's just <laughs> not the, uh, cafe ole sipping cat we're used to. No, I mean, I mean, to like, <laughs> to work on getting people on the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we got to bootleg it sometimes around here, you know. We, we're going we're gonna to give Micah his vacation, though. He's, you know, Hopefully he's over he there enjoying Europe. To, and What's he bringing back for us? Uh, Nothing. You know, as far as I can tell, absolutely nothing. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we shall survive, man. Listen, appreciate you as always, Lang. Um, yes, sir. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch in the next few days because I want to read some. I'm assuming you're going to give me the, like, uh, excerpts, the stuff that didn't make the cut on the LeBron interview. You better have that out sometime here in the next couple of days because that, that can't be all you got. You talk it all, it all made minutes. the cut. <laughs> 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 I, didn't, I didn't hold anything back. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, uh, going to do it again real soon here um, on the Hang Time Podcast. But make sure, like I said, the next time we talk to you, it's going to be training camp time. So get ready for a big season, and, uh, and we're going to be doing the same. Cool.